I was expecting you. Today, tomorrow, yesterday. It was only a matter of time. Welcome to John Adams High, where you are gonna die, that's right. Hey, little bro, life's tough, get a helmet. They just shot the neighbor! The banger! Well, Sean, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but you're kind of a babe. The Secret of Life by Plays with Squirrels. Underpants. Mr. Feeney? Mr. Feeney! I love the Feeney call. Hello, everyone. It's Feeney Friday. Welcome to the Feeney Podcast. We're here to talk about the next great episode of Boy Meets World in Season 3. I'm Josh, and you know with me is my co-host, Jacqueline. What's going on? Hello. I'm so excited to recap your favorite episode of Boy Meets World ever. This one is not as bad as the one we'll get later on where Corey like magically gets transported to like France in the 1940s or something. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I just think that these are kind of cop out episodes and uh, this is not my favorite. Not my favorite. We'll have plenty of time to debate that as we recap this episode. But hello, everyone. We are today talking about Season 3, Episode 19 of everyone's favorite 90s show, Boy Meets World, entitled, I Was a Teenage Spy. It aired on April 26th, 1996, and it was directed by David Trainer. So we have a few things to unpack here. First is that the last episode... Episode 18 aired in February of 1996. That seems like kind of an odd mid-season break. Did you feel like that was normal? Is that a normal time for television shows to have breaks? Have we talked? Have we done the same conversation every season and I just don't remember? I don't think we've had. The only thing I could think of was maybe like some Olympics thing, but this is 96, which would make it summer. a summer Olympics year. Yeah. So... Unless like maybe the Super Bowl and they were like taking off a couple weeks for that or like rebooting new shows. I'm not sure. But, you know, sometimes you just got to take a couple weeks off. Well, what's funny about this is that it just fast forwarded us to current date, right? We were in February. Now we're in April. This episode aired April 26th, which is right about the date that it is right now in 2022 as we're recording this. So I don't know. Kind of funny. Like we've caught up with the John Adams High school year. So that'll be interesting as we finish off the season. The other thing we need to talk about is the title of this episode. Yeah, I mean, Corey becomes a teenage spy. So that's uh, that's pretty on the nose in terms of what's happening plot wise. Is there something else I missed? So, yes, when I was trying to figure out where this title came from, and the reason I, I knew that it must have come from somewhere is because I had a book in the 90s that I loved called I Was a Teenage Fairy by Francesca Leah Block. So I was Mm. like, okay, clearly this I Was a Teenage something is like from something. So as I was looking into it, I kept coming back to a 1957 horror film called I Was a Teenage Werewolf. And from what I can tell, uh, that is where this format came from. And there are a lot of other things that use that device as a title And also, as we will soon find out, Corey is going to be transported back to 1957, the year that movie came out. So it kind of works out. Interesting. If I do a quick Google search and I type in, I was a teenage, the top 10 things that come up here are spy, because I just searched for it probably, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I was a teenage Gary, anarchist, felon, zombie, Frankenstein, exocolonist, and were skunk. So that's a weird list. <laughs> That's like the suggested Google, like, finish your search things? That's the list I get when I type in I was a teenage, and that's the whole list of things that comes up. So a weird list. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I get kind of the same thing. I have a feeling the teenage zombie and you don't have werewolf in your top results? No, were skunk I have in my top results. I don't have were skunk in mine. But I do have teenage felon. Yeah. So as you can see, there are a lot of things that use this I was a teenage format for their songs and TV shows and movies and uh, names of SpongeBob SquarePants episodes. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. All right. Well, good. (laughs) Then this is all coming together. They're using the format and uh, we got ourselves an episode ready to go. All right. Let's read our Google synopsis. Uh, a confused Corey dreams he has gone back to 1957 and is offered advice by Tom Bosley and Anson Williams. Yeah. Uh, okay. Not great. I give it a I give it a C plus. So my synopsis: Corey is disillusioned with life in 1996 when his laptop gets fried by a power surge. He thinks that life must have been so much easier in the 1950s. When a shock sends him back in time, he learns that things in the 50s may not have been as easygoing as he imagined. Nice. Yeah, it's not so much he's dreaming. I guess he's kind of dreaming, but he basically gets like shocked back there. It's not like he's sleeping. Yeah, this is our first super fantastical episode of Boy Meets World, but it won't be the last. And Josh, earlier, you know, when he was saying how his feelings about this episode, I feel like he soft pedaled it a bit because when we were talking uh, before we started recording, he said, I hate these time travel episodes. Yeah, that is how I felt. And in retrospect, it was a little funnier than I thought, but it just seems like a little bit of like pandering and like bringing on some old tv stars to like get the parents of these shit you know the viewers excited i don't know it just it didn't seem like it really fit in with everything else well i think it's whimsical and i think it's a nice break from the feeny life lessons that we had last time so i don't mind it uh but you know and it won't be the last of this type of episode that's just because you like Back to the Future, and it's basically that. It's not Back to the Future because he's not actually time traveling, but I yeah. do love Back to the Future. Like, I love it so much. Well, at any rate, things start off normal enough. Corey's in Chubbies. Eli and Turner ask him to hand out flyers for the 50s themed sock hop spring dance. And uh, this leads Corey to ask Topanga to the dance and she declines. So this is the first time we're getting like kind of an update on where Corey and Topanga stand in their relationship. They have agreed to just be friends and she is insistent that going to a dance together would complicate that arrangement and therefore she is going to have to decline. Yep, exactly. Sock hops date back to the 1940s but became popular in the 1950s and It's called a sock hop because kids were encouraged to remove their shoes so they wouldn't scuff the school gymnasium floor. Wow, that's pretty lame, but uh, I 
guess I had never really thought about why it was called a sock hop before. Yeah, there you go. So back at the Matthews house, Corey's rejected. Mm -hmm. Uh, The microwave is on the fritz. And Eric causes a power surge that deletes Corey's entire term paper. I didn't even know that the Matthews had uh, personal computers in their home, but apparently Corey has been working on a 10-page paper on the space race, and now the whole thing is lost because of Eric creating this power surge with the microwave. Yeah, he's got one of those old, big, boxy laptops. Why he's not hitting the save button at all during the writing of this 10-page paper, uh, that's really on Corey, but it is sad that his uh, his paper is deleted. And, you know, he goes down and he's like, ah, oh, my paper, I need 10 pages on the space race and Sputnik. And Alan's just like, oh, Sputnik, 1957, they're Russians, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, he knows way more about this than Corey thought he did. Yeah, but also like, yeah, thanks, Dad. Like, this is really helpful for my 10-page paper. (laughs) Thanks for giving me the most high-level basic facts about Sputnik ever. Like, yeah, I can definitely cite you as a source in my paper. Get out of here, man. Go buy me a new laptop. (laughs) Well, either way, Feeney's wandering in and Corey goes, Mr. Feeney, don't expect to get my paper on time. And Feeney just deadpans, I never do. (laughs) Yeah, I guess he heard Corey scream when the paper was deleted. And this thing leads Corey on this huge tangent about how everything these days is so hard. I got computer issues, I got girlfriend issues, and everybody must have had it much better back in the 50s with Sputnik. Feeney says, you know, man, I was there. I was in high school in the 50s. It wasn't quite the happy days, you think. And of course, this is all foreshadowing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Happy days reference. This is all foreshadowing because as Corey plugs in the broken microwave, like why you would choose to make a microwave pizza 30 seconds after the your mom just announced that the microwave is broken and it just created a huge power surge in the house and you're like this is the perfect time for microwave pizza but Corey goes to plug in the microwave and he's given a shock that transports him back in time to 1957 it sure does we see Corey and he's holding a cord to the jukebox inside what you think is chubby's uh he's wearing the same clothes that he was back in 96 But Topanga's there, and she's got herself a leather jacket with her hair all big and poofy, like she's straight out of Greece. Everybody is going to have a 50s alter ego. Did we already talk about how Chubby's is now called Slim's? And that's funny because over time, Slim became Chubby. No, and I actually never put that together. I did see that it was called Slim's Malt Shop, and it is the same set as chubby's but i get it now slim to chubby that's that's actually pretty clever yeah it's pretty good stuff thankfully Corey's wearing his best argyle sweater so he's blending in nicely with the other (laughs) students there was like a lot of (laughs) yeah a lot of argyle being worn by the other students topanga's got big hair and an even bigger attitude so her 50s alter ego is this like outside of the rules gum chewing questioning authority very much the opposite of actual topanga but uh cory is insisting that he knows her she's getting kind of creeped out now we're gonna also meet sean who mm-hmm. his 50s version is Shanzi hunterelli 
which is basically the first of many Happy Days references that we're going to get in this episode. Should we just do a quick little intro to Happy Days for those listeners who may not be familiar with it? Yeah, if you could do one for me too, that would be great. (laughs) Happy Days is a sitcom about the 50s that aired from 1974 to 1984. So it was like show in the 70s about the 50s and then we had like the Wonder Years was the show in the 90s about 70s. There's been many variations of this show, but this may be like the first one that did it super successfully. Got Fonzie and his buddy Richie Cunningham getting into all kinds of shenanigans. I haven't watched Happy Days in a really long time, so I'm not even really sure what the plot is, but life in the 50s. That's helpful context to have if you've never seen the show because... A lot of the references here on out are going to be around that. Although they do jump around, they kind of mix some of their different decades and references here. We're going to get like one from the 80s a little bit later. But ultimately, yes, they're back in the 50s. Sean is the cool kid who like has effortless pizzazz and everyone likes him. He's got the leather jacket, the hair curl, the curl, and he's kind of the bad boy. Yeah, and then we, now we're going to get a parade of meeting everybody's 50 alter egos. We got Shanzi Hunterelli. Uh, Mr. Feeney is basically the exact same personality, just with a black mustache instead of a gray one. Yeah. Corey tells Mr. Feeney that his name is Brad Pitzer, which gets interpreted as Brad Pitzer. So for the rest of the episode, everyone's going to be calling him Brad Pitzer. Mr. Turner is a giant nerd in horn-rimmed glasses and a sweater vest who has no control over his class. So we're getting just like little intros to everybody's 50s persona here. Yeah, in in Turner's class, he's like the first day, first year teacher. He can't control the class. In a callback to Happy Days, I think Sean kind of just snaps his fingers and all of a sudden everyone settles down because he's the the leader of the bunch there. And luckily for Corey, the first conversation that they're going to have in this class is, what do you think life will be like in 40 years? Right. Corey's like, oh, great. This is perfect. So he tries to like, he raises his hand. He talks about life in the future. And the things he comes up with are pizza baked right into the crust and men and women will be equal partners in the workplace and in their relationships. Yeah, that one gets a big laugh yeah. by everyone. <laughs> but they're intrigued um, about the pizza. <laughs> yeah, they, they are interested in that. And uh, right at that moment, they're going to have their civil defense drill, which was the old duck and cover. You see the atomic bomb, and then you have to get and hide under your desk to try and hide from the fallout, which Corey kind of is like, come on, guys, like this thing would mess you up. You're not going to be protected by the desk, but... I guess that wasn't as well known back in the day. This scene cracked me up. Mr. Turner puts on his helmet and he (laughs) goes to the window and he's like, The atomic bomb falls. We see a brilliant flash. Now, what do we do? We duck and cover. Correct. Here we go. Flash! You're dead, Brad. Corey doesn't get under his desk and... Mr. Yeah. Turner goes, you're dead, Brad. <laughs> and then he's like, <laughs> he's like, you're trying to tell me hiding under the desk is going to protect me. And Turner's like, you don't just hide under the desk. You put your head down and you cover your neck. And then Corey says, and kiss your butt goodbye. <laughs> this whole thing just made me laugh. But 
Sean Z takes the rap for using the B word in class and he gets dragged out. That's the final straw for him. He's like the still the bad apple, uh, even in the 50s, I guess. And we basically now are just going to get tons of 50s jokes piled on top of each other as uh, as they leave class. Corey's trying to buy IBM stock for a nickel a share. Eric is a letterman student who's trying to decide between Harvard and Yale. And of course, he picks Harvard because they don't allow women there and he doesn't want to distract from his studies. So they're just like going all in on these little tiny little jokes in the scene. Yeah. A couple of fact checking here. He calls up Dean Witter which uh, was not a reference I understood, but turns out Dean Witter was an actual person. He founded a bunch of companies, one of which was kind of one of these stocks and financial companies later on. They go on to merge with Morgan Stanley in the 90s. So clearly a name that probably rings true of financial folks back in those days. And then, as you mentioned, I had to look it up. When were female students allowed at Harvard? The history is a little murky. It does seem like by the 50s, there were some students at Harvard who were women. So it's not entirely true that there were no women there at that point. But but really not until the 70s was it more prevalent. Yeah, what I read is that they started admitting women to their graduate program of for education. So women who wanted to become teachers essentially were admitted to this one very specific program at Harvard. But their undergraduate school didn't admit women until the 1970s, from the best that I could tell. Yeah. So still not not great. Not great considering that's only like 50 years ago. Yeah. But one of the underlying themes here of the episode is like Sean and Corey's friendship can kind of endure no matter what the time period or circumstance. And as you mentioned, they kind of cover for each other one early on, and then Sean covers for Corey. And Sean Z. Fonzarelli character is made out to be kind of a loner who doesn't have friends. But um, by the end of the episode, that's going to change. Yeah, the whole the whole uh, theme here is that Corey keeps just sort of pursuing Topanga and pursuing this friendship with Sean, even though they don't know who he is. And they just kind of, he just keeps showing them that he is a loyal friend to them, that he knows them even though they don't know who he is. And um, it's sort of like teeing up this whole like Corey and Sean always being there for each other and also Corey and Topanga sort of being meant for each other. You know, like these bonds, they transcend time, man. So um, (laughs) all of this, though, is interrupted when Mr. Feeney rushes in with dire news. The Russians, they have launched a satellite And the U.S. government believes that it is a spy satellite containing a warhead flash. Bang. Yeah. Corey, being from the future, knows that this is nothing to worry about, that he's just done a research project on this, and that it's just just a satellite. They're just exploring space. It's nothing to worry about. But this is very suspicious behavior from the new kid, and everyone is going to start to think that he is a spy. (laughs) Hence the name of the episode and the plot that's going to ensue in the next half of the episode. Yeah, guys, it's just Sputnik. I don't know what you're all worried about with this space race or this arms race. Where I come from, nobody's worried about that. And Mr. Feeney goes, oh, and where do you come from? Moscow. (laughs) Everyone starts like trying to grab him and apprehend him, but he escapes by yelling flash and everybody hits the floor and he runs away. So. 
Topanga, aka TL, and Sean Z are going to sneak Corey out of school and bring him home uh, because everybody thinks he's a spy. He's on the run. But when he walks into the Matthews house, he does not find Alan and Amy inside. No, this is where this episode lost me, to be honest. <laughs> I, I get they wanted to throw a couple of like throwback Happy Days references in here and really, really get the crowd going. But I, this is my least favorite scene in all of Boy Meets World. It's a really weird scene. You know, Morgan's in the house. She's inexplicably wearing lipstick. I don't really think that was a thing that was done in the 50s. But she's like, oh, dad's upstairs. And she brings in dad. And it's not Alan. It is Tom Bosley, also known as Howard Cunningham, the father from Happy Days. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's a pretty big cameo for them. And it's it's just like, I'm not really sure what's supposed to be going on in this scene. Like, he gives Corey his allowance and calls him son, but then Corey's like, I'm not your son. So I don't n- even know like really what's going on. And then there's a knock at the door and it's Anson Williams, who is Potsy from Happy Days. So they're getting like two of the main characters from Happy Days. I guess Henry Winkler was busy, hmm. um, but they just go back and forth and make a few Happy Days jokes that like this is for the parents, I'm sure, because that show was huge in the 70s. So, like, people our parents' age would be laughing at these jokes. And Morgan sees the photo of Corey in the paper and is like, oh, dad, it's a, he's a Russian spy. So um, Tom calls the FBI and they come to arrest Corey and throw him in jail. Yeah, he calls the FBI and J. Edgar Hoover answers the phone on the first ring and they chat like they know it. It's just, this is such a weird, weird episode or weird, weird scene. Apparently it went over well because Anson Williams is actually going to show up as Potsy in a 2003 episode of Sabrina, the teenage witch, where she goes back in time and basically enters happy days. So they, uh, this, this trope works so many times they kept going back to it. Yeah. Have you ever seen the movie clue? Yes. Well, it's one of my favorite movies, so I always look for any excuse to bring it up. But it came out in the 80s and there is and it takes place in the 50s. And there is a scene where um J. J. Edgar Hoover like supposedly calls the house and it's like on the phone. So I don't know if that's like a joke. Is he known for like tapping people's phones or something? I don't know. But yeah, anyway, not the most accurate reference, but. Yeah. I just got got to bring up Clue whenever I can. Did you know they're making a new Clue? What? No, I didn't know that. They're making a new Clue starring Ryan Reynolds and Jason Bateman. Oh, man. I'm definitely going to have to watch that. But also, like, don't ruin Clue. It's so good. And Tim Curry is so good. The original is good, but that that won't be bad. The new one will not be bad. Jason Bateman going to play. I don't know. He was in, he was initially set to direct it, and it sounds like he's not going to direct it anymore. But he's still going to star in it. But mm. I mean, you've you've got a limited number of characters. You got you got the Colonel, you got Mister Green. Who's Tim Curry you're, play? You're embarrassing yourself right now. <laughs> Tim Curry plays Wadsworth, the butler, who is uh, not a character in the board game. Sure. Yeah, you got Colonel Mustard, yeah. Professor Peacock, 
Peacock. Mr. Green. Green. I said Professor Peacock. It's Professor Plum. Now I'm embarrassing myself. Miss Peacock. That's right. Miss Scarlet. Miss White. White. Yeah. Well, I'm going to keep my eye on that, but now we have digressed. Uh, it's sort of 50s related. It takes place in the 50s. But anyway, now uh, we finally get to see Alan and Amy. They show up to visit Corey in jail. But much to Corey's disappointment, they actually turn out to be Russian spies. So that's a bummer for Corey. <laughs> Their code names are Boris and Natasha. Another uh, reference this time to Rocky and Bullwinkle. Was mm-hmm. that from the 50s? It might have been. I didn't look it up, but right around that era. Hmm. Yeah, it is from the 50s. Now what are you doing? Sign an autograph. This is John Smith. But your name is Bullwinkle. I know, but that's hard to spell. So, okay, that's another, you know, just like stereotypical Russian spy names. So they're not going to help get Corey out of jail. But Shanzi and TL, to the rescue, they bust Corey out of jail and smuggle him into Shanzi's makeout pad, which is just Turner's apartment. Yeah, it's all covered up. And then he does his little Fonzie thing, Shanzi thing, and all the covers magically lift off. And uh, there's a girl standing there just apparently who's been under a blanket for like the last (laughs) God knows how long, just waiting for Sean to make out with her. But uh, this is where Corey is really going to develop these friendships. He actually gets to Topanga kisses him or TL kisses him in this scene twice and wants all of the things that he promised her earlier, which go into the zoo. And uh, this is a big win for Rocky road lovers everywhere. TL's favorite flavor of ice cream, Rocky road. It's a weak flavor. I'm not a fan. It's my favorite. That's your favorite flavor of ice cream. Yes. Yeah. I thought I knew you. Jamie had the same reaction. That is so lame. It's a good flavor. All right. There's just, it's just not that good. Agree to disagree, I guess. You know, the cops are still after Corey. He's now fled from jail and he's finally realizing that, you know, maybe 1996 isn't so bad. Like, this whole, all this paranoia, these people are like thinking he's a spy. And he's like, I just want to go home. So Sean Z and TL decide to take Corey to see the wise man who might be able to help him get home. So back to Slim's they go. Yeah, and we're now transported to 1984. No, no. You know that guy, he's from Happy Days. Mr. Miyagi? Yes. Uh, well, he makes some Karate Kid jokes. <laughs> yes, he definitely <laughs> makes Karate Kid jokes. Um, they think so. They gotta they gotta shoehorn Eli into the episode somehow. He's just like the guy playing bongos, and the wise man they go to see is Mr. Miyagi, aka Pat Morita. I did not know he was on Happy Days, but uh, he is famous for playing Mr. Miyagi from Karate Kid. He'll make a couple of jokes. He says the best way out is the same way in, get another microwave, give yourself a shock, blah, 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 whatever. The scene didn't do it for me either. I feel like you can't blah, blah, blah over Pat Morita. He is an iconic figure. Yes, he's most famously known for playing Mr. Miyagi in The Karate Kid, but he's had a very, very long uh, film and television career, and he's been in a lot of things. Name um, three. Okay, well... 
there's like four Karate Kid movies that he's in, so <laughs> I win. <laughs> he was in a bunch of um, like 60s and 70s television shows, and then, you know, he got his big break with Karate Kid. But at any rate, I feel like you're not you're not putting respect on Pat Morita's name right now. He was Mr. Miyata. But on Happy Days, he was Arnold who owned and operated the hangout Arnold's Drive-In. So he was basically the chubby in Happy mm-hmm, Days. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He appears as a wise man. He's wearing a kimono, uh, but he knows Corey's name. He tells Corey that, yeah, get out, find a microwave, give yourself another shock. But then Corey realizes that this wise man might not actually be so wise because not only does he take off his kimono to reveal that he just works at the malt shop, uh, but ca- microwaves don't really exist in 1957. And when Corey points this out to the wise man, he says, Okay, I gotta get out of here. Wait a minute. It's 1957. There is no microwave. Oopsie. <laughs> what kind of wise man says oopsie? What do you want me to say? Wax on, wax off? Oopsie. <laughs> so Corey's not really feeling very confident about this whole thing. Yeah, I did fact check that. Technically, microwaves would have existed. They initially were like created in the early 1950s, but they were like $4,000 a pop and were huge and were not really commercially available until the mid or late 60s. So technically invented, but probably no access to one. Right. The like countertop microwave that you could buy and put in your home didn't really exist until the late 60s. Um, so Corey is like, how am I supposed to get home? But now the feds are closing in. We hear the sirens. We hear the dogs. And everyone surrounds Corey and is chanting, spy, 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 including Alan and Amy. Like everybody is there Throw him chanting the at him. Yeah, for real. But just at that moment, Corey bumps his head, and that is the jolt he needed to get back to 1996. Yeah, he's on the couch. His family's around him. Topanga walks in with an ice pack. He kind of looks at her lovingly, and all is well. Corey's back, and he's learned his lesson that, you know, the 50s weren't so easy. Do you think, so I guess he really was like dreaming, right? So like the shock kind of knocked him out, and the whole thing was a dream? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, right. Josh is just like, whatever. So done with this episode. Yeah, it was a. I mean, I don't think he. I don't think anyone was made to believe that he actually was transported back. the The way to bring this in realistically is that it was a dream. I'm not sure that if somebody like got an electrical shock, that I would just like lay him down on the couch and wait for him to come too. I'd probably get him to a hospital pretty quickly, but. Can you believe they didn't call 911? You get shocked, you get electrocuted, and you're unconscious, and your parents are just like, here's some ice? Like, ice for what? He didn't bump his head. Dude got electrocuted. Yeah. They just laid him down on the couch and waited for him to woke up. It's insane. Anyway, there is a funny moment when Corey first wakes up from his dream, and he sees Sean sitting next to him on the couch, and he says, Seanzy? And Sean says, (laughs) yesy? Yeah, funny yeah. in quotation marks on that one. Okay, okay. You're just, <laughs> you're just having a salty attitude about the whole thing. But we get our post credit scene. Corey is working on a hilarious laptop at the dinner table. He plugs it in. He gets another shock. They really should get that outlet checked out. People should stop plugging stuff into that outlet. 
And then suddenly Mr. Feeney appears in a spacesuit and beams Corey up with him. Josh, what do you think of this post credit scene? I think you know the answer to that question. <laughs> like s- scale of one to ten. Negative, where are we ranking negative this? seven. It's <laughs> <laughs> my it's my least favorite. No, it was whatever. I it's it's clever, but you know, Feeney from the future. It doesn't make it doesn't actually make any sense, but I get what they're doing and jumping around timelines and trying to have their fun and giving him his his Star Trek whatever. But uh no, no, <laughs> not 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 my favorite. Yeah, Feeney's in the spacesuit and Corey's like, no, don't beat me up, Mr. Feeney. And then he's like, all right, whatever, just just go ahead. And then they disappear in a dazzling display of CGI with some like sparkly purple stars appearing on the screen. Yeah. So that's our episode here. A little throwback in time. I have no idea how it did in the ratings, but I would imagine that people kind of like when uh when you get some guest stars from another era to appear. The you know, the monkeys were all there in an episode, so clearly they've got some ties to an older generation. I thought they're, you know, obviously this isn't going to be the favorite episode because it's not touching and it doesn't really move the plot forward. Like the things that we love about Boy Meets World aren't necessarily a part of this episode. But I do think that there were some really funny jokes in there. And if you can just like watch it and admit that it's just going to be silly, then you might be able to enjoy it. Yeah, for sure. You don't have to like them all. That's true. They can't all be winners. There's a hundred floors of fright. I'm David Pumpkins. Any questions? Exactly. Other guest stars, Christopher Darga played the counterman. He'd been in, uh, in episodes previously and... Don Sparks is going to play your deputy. He's one of the uh, the police officers in the jail when when Corey's in jail, and he he's been in a bunch of things. P.S. I love you. A lot of TV in the early '90s, so uh, you you may recognize either of them. Well, I didn't, but was the guy who played the count the guy at the counter in Slims was he chubby in a previous episode? Yeah, he was. Okay, all right, so that sort of makes sense. Yeah, the other guy, you would recognize his face, uh, Don Sparks, but he's been in four episodes of Law & Order SVU. Wow, what was his character's name? Doorman. Okay, okay. I thought, man, I thought maybe it was a recurring character. No, there's Doorman, Dr. Phil Matrano, Rennie Nix, and Glenn. Interesting. So you can go check those out. Sure, I'll go rewatch all those SVU episodes for sure. Anyway, we're nearing the end of this season, Jacqueline. Anything that we should be looking forward to? I mean, it's, it can't get worse than this episode, so. Well, it's all uphill from here, my friends. And I have a feeling that Corey and Topanga are going to make a love connection pretty soon. Maybe realize that breaking up is really, really hard to do or whatever Ooh, that episode is called. <laughs> yeah. So we have that to look forward to. And we have uh, a lot of plot updates on Sean's missing mother and father. So we're going to start pushing all this stuff forward in the last few episodes of the season. And I believe we also have some season three trivia to look forward to in the next few weeks we sure do we've got three more regular episodes left david trainer and jeff mccracken are really going to take us to the finish line here 
and we will do a trivia episode covering the second half of the season. It'll be the first time that I'm creating trivia for Jacqueline, so we'll see how tough I can make it. Yeah, I'm going to start studying up now. Start reading Pat Morita's IMDb page from cover to cover in case you try to sneak in some some obscure questions. I will. Uh, yeah. Oh, they're going to be obscure as hell. Don't you worry about that. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you all for listening. And we will finish out the season here in the coming weeks. So keep following along at Feeny Podcast on Instagram, FeenyPodcast.com for all of the episodes that we've put out so far. And we hope that you all have a good rest of your listening day. Have a beautiful Feeny Friday, everyone. See you all next time. Oopsie. Sunday, Monday, happy days. Tuesday, Wednesday, happy days. Other days are happy days. Maybe there's some days that aren't so happy, but they're still happy days.